Well, I, I know uh, some of you missed my illustration last week, so uh, I brought it back by popular demand, my demand and my popularity. Uh, <laughs> but um, last week we spoke about the sufficiency of grace. And I, I want to know if this past week, if you remembered my, my illustration. How many used it this week? <laughs> now, so those of you who don't know, what this is, is a no-stick pan with Pam, okay? Now, the, the illustration is this. When people say things <laughs> that, are not, that are hurtful to us, we need to let it hit the pan. <laughs> and what happens with you with a no-stick with Pam? It slides off. So we have, in this case, it's a no-stick anointing. <laughs> that God has anointed us not to hear or to receive the negativity or the hurtful things that other people say or do. Anybody, okay, anybody else done that this week? Okay, yeah, okay. So, I didn't, you know, I, I thought some of you may have had people say negative, but, you know, sometimes people just, you know, can't mess with perfect, right? <laughs> so... So the idea is that the anointing of God's grace and the anointing of God's mercy is, is, not, is more than just what God is doing in us, in our spirit and saving us from our sins and things like that. We have the sufficiency of God's mercy is the ability not to take on things that don't belong to us. Amen. Thank you. Uh, so we're not going to take on what people say. Now, uh, it's, it's important, you know, and I'm not saying that we should be deaf to every, criti you know, every criticism or whatever. I'm not talking about that. But sometimes that we need to be critiqued or to look at ourselves in a way that can be healing and building and strengthening. But sometimes people's motives are not healing, building, and strengthening. Sometimes uh, motives are trying to hurt and to inflict pain or to put you in a place that you don't really fit or you don't belong. So we have to, you know, we can't stop those things from being said or done, but we can stop ourselves from letting them in. And the famous expression is, speak to the pan. <laughs> All right. So our scripture today is in... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and it says, verse 9, But he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Now, when Paul is writing this, and I'll just read the, the context in 2 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 6. Even if I should choose to boast. Now, reviewing a little bit, Paul said, the people were coming to the, the Corinthian church, and they were boasting about the revelations or boasting about the great things that God had done for them in a way that they were trying to put Paul down, okay? They were trying to get the people of Corinth to put aside what Paul had spoken to them, and they wanted to be the leaders in the church, and Paul was writing back to the Corinthians and telling them, 
that if, I, if you're going to look at people boasting in life events to give credit about what has happened and what has taken place in a person's life, let me give you a, a little bit of my history. And Paul calls this, um, uh, what is it called? I, I, it is um, foolishness, he calls it. It is foolishness for us to look at a person's testimony to put them in positions of authority over people that seemingly don't have a testimony. But these people were not using their testimony to further the gospel. They were using their testimony to further themselves. See, that's the difference. When people use their experience with God to make other people look inferior or to put them down, that's not what God had blessed them for. The blessing of God is for, for our understanding of how God is working in our life. And the blessing of God is upon how that he is, God is strengthening us, and we can be thankful to God for what he has done for us. This week, when people said negative things, I thank God that he gave me the ability not to listen. Okay? So that's what we're, we're looking at this, and we're allowing things that don't fit, don't belong, to slide off, okay? Now, Paul goes on. Uh, well, verse 5 says, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weakness. Now, if we were going to, if we were going to look at our life and we want people to be impressed, <laughs> we're not going to tell them how weak we are. We're going to tell them how strong we are. We're going to tell them what we do right. And, you know, if you're filling out a resume for, for a job, you're not going to say, well, you know, I don't show up on time. I'm sick every, every week. I take a day off. You know, <laughs> yeah. We're not going to put all that stuff out there. But hopefully we don't do that. But um, Paul says, I'm going, to, I'm going to speak about my weaknesses. Even if I should boast, or even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. So when Paul is talking about what has happened to him, he is speaking the truth. I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been a day and a night floating in the deep. I've been beaten with rods, and I've been stoned and drug out of the city for dead. You see, when Paul is talking about these things and he's talking in a way that he is, he's not boasting, but he's using that as a way of telling these people in Corinth, don't listen to those individuals who come with these lines of, of um, <laughs> what happened to them and how God has delivered them and God is with them more than he's with Paul. So anyhow, but I refrain so, uh, I, but I reframe. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. So I don't want anybody to think more of me than what is warranted. If you want to be impressed, be impressed with the idea, yeah, I spent a day and a night in the deep. Be impressed with the idea that I was stoned and drug out of the city for dead. You want to be impressed? Be impressed with those truths. But... <laughs> Because of these surpassingly, uh, or because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore, 
In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take, away, take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Now, whenever we are confronted with difficulties, when we are confronted with problems and we have this um, understanding, you know, that we have failed, that we have, we have sinned, we've done something wrong, God isn't there throwing darts at us and lightning bolts and guilt and condemnation. He's telling us that his grace is sufficient for you and in your moments of weakness, we need to call out to God, not go into despair and depression about things that have happened and why things go bad for me and why things are wrong for me, that I need to think about the things which are lovely, that are pure, that are of a good report. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. Think about the things that are good because we talk ourselves into being depressed and we can talk ourselves out of being depressed. We can talk ourselves into having a horrible life. We can talk ourselves into having a great life. And it isn't what we possess. It isn't what has happened. It's about our attitude towards God and allowing God, his attitude towards us, to be ours. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, I'm speaking to you out of a deep gratitude. So Paul now is writing to the church at Rome. I'm speaking to you out of a deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Rome. He's never been there. And these are Christians that are in Rome. M many of them are individuals who have come from the uh, day of Pentecost, at, at what happened at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, and they went back to Rome, and they started this church or this belief in Jesus, and they've really had no one set up a foundational principles of who Christ is and all, all of those things. So Paul here in this letter is trying to get them to kind of establish themselves in their faith and establish themselves in, in what, is, what is a good, sound thinking and doctrine. So he says... Paul says, I have a responsibility in my relationship to you. If we think about our relationship to other people, see, not, sometimes we, and it's all right to think, okay, how, oh God, how, how are you going to work through me? How, how are you going to be blessed and, you know, blessed through my life and things like that? It's all right to pray for those things. But also remember, we have a responsibility to other people. And that God wants us to recognize that that responsibility carries his anointing. It doesn't carry his guilt. It doesn't carry, I, I made a mistake there. <laughs> That's my first one, right? Uh, we, I said we, we don't carry his guilt. God doesn't give us guilt. That's a mistake. Let's cross that out. Guilt comes from our failures. And it comes from uh, thinking that we're not good enough and things like that. So guilt is tied to something that is wrong. So we want guilt and all that to be gone. We want to be recipients of God's favor and God's grace. He says, so we have a relationship to, our, to other people. Living then, Paul says this, living then as every one of you does, 
in pure grace. So we start thinking now that my life is lived, is to be lived in pure grace. Hmm. <laughs> Our lives are to be lived in a sense of pure grace. Now, grace is the free, unmerited favor of God. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Our life is lived in pure grace where his grace, his divine favor, he looks favorably upon us. And he wants to, to bestow upon us his blessing. Now let's go on. It is important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. Don't misinterpret what your life is about. And, and I think um, this has been, this has weighed heavily on my mind and my spirit recently. Um, that we often think what we bring to the table, okay? What do we bring to this? Like, if you're working, you know, when you're working at a job, what do you bring to the job? What do you bring to the table here that's going to make this place a better place to, for a better environment to live and to work? Bring to the family. Bring to the kids. Bring to your parents. What do we bring to this whole situation that's going to make this a better place? Now, it's important that we recognize we have gifts and that we have value. But this, this verse, this, what Paul is teaching us here, is that living then as every one of you does in pure grace, it is important that you not misinterpret yourself as people who are bringing this goodness to God. It isn't like I'm living my life for God bringing him goodness and grace and helping these people and, and doing this life, and I'm bringing this to God. That's, how, that's my merit. I'm a preacher, <laughs> and I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm a counselor. I'm whatever you want to... No, not whatever you want to call me. But anyhow, <laughs> that's a little joke there. But I'm bringing all this, but the, the understanding here, Paul says, no, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us. The only way to actually look and understand who I am as a person is what God brings to the table. See, what does God bring to this situation? For my sin, he brings salvation. For my work, he brings my abilities. He brings an anointing. When people speak evil of us, he, he brings us Pam. <laughs> Anybody ever try and put you down? Anybody try and put you in your place? I've had a few people try to put me in my place. Trouble was I didn't fit. <laughs> I didn't fit in the place they tried to put me. And, you know, there, there are individuals who are trying to put us somewhere, but God is saying to us, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. 
So in this life that we're living, we're, we want to well, use it this way. Um, when you sit down to lunch a little later today, you're either going to prepare the food or you're going to go somewhere and order it or whatever, and people are going to bring it to the table. Now, you're going to pick, you know, if you go to the, a smorgasbord or a buffet or whatever, you're going to go and pick and choose what's there for you to eat that you like. Well, God is bringing to the table what we need for our life so that when we receive what God has brought to the table for us, it changes the way that we live our life because I'm not doing this for God. I'm doing this because God has moved in my life. And I, I thought of my, in the book that I wrote, and <clears throat> I, I have a new publisher, and I'm trying to get it printed and, and, and new cover and things like that. And I thought of the, uh, the, the, the idea that Okay, I've written this book, and I've written it for God, for people. And, and it, the, the, the thoughts that came back to me were, no, you didn't write this for God or for people. God wrote this, God brought this to you so that he could work through you so that you could serve people. Okay? Look at your talents. Look at our abilities. We don't have these talents for our benefit, we have received those talents. God put them in there. It's a package. God put them in there while you were yet in your mother's womb. He, he knew you, formed you, and he put in there all the stuff that you would need for your life. And then his, the Spirit of God comes by his free grace and mercy, unmerited. You didn't earn it. Every gift that you have, every blessing that we have, every opportunity that we have, every good thought that we have, every good and perfect thing is a gift from God who comes to you. All of this is coming to your life and the experiences that we find ourselves in, God is stirring up those gifts that are inside of us so that we can do these things. It's not by what he does for us. We are to understand ourselves by what God is and what he does for us. What is God? Who is he? <laughs> he was the guy that loved us when we were yet sinners. He is the one who has given us his Holy Spirit to empower us, to help us, to give us gifts, to give us a new nature, to give us a new outlook, to help us to understand that life is more than what we live, that we have an eternity that we're facing and that we're living life in terms of eternity, not in terms of what's happening today. <laughs> we're going to go to the church of what's happening now. <laughs> you, many of you don't remember that, do you? <laughs> what was his name? Flip Wilson. You know, some of you don't who's Flip Wilson? You know? Well, anyhow, if you go way back in the archives of television... <laughs> <laughs> you'll find Flip Wilson, and Flip Wilson was a comedian, and he used to talk about going to the church of what's happening now. You know, he became a black preacher, and he would do this setting in a, in a church, and he went to the church of what's happening now. But anyhow, he's not a saint. I'm not <laughs> quoting Flip Wilson because he's in the Bible, no. Um, so, Scripture says that God's grace is sufficient, meaning that it is, it is competent 
that the grace of God is enough and the grace of God qualifies. <laughs> grace, and God, grace is what? That we God, the grace of God is competent. That it is having the necessary ability and knowledge, the skills, that it's all there for us. It is this flowing of God's grace through our lives. And, and there's, um, you always have whatever you need by his grace in every situation. All right, we got to think about that for a moment. Have you ever been in a situation that you felt that you weren't good enough or qualified to be there? God is saying, you always have whatever you need by his grace in every situation. That's the, fr the unmerited favor of God. You know, when I was, <laughs> when, when I worked at the hospital and, you know, um, again, I'm not bragging or boasting, but the, when, when there was a crisis, when there was a crisis in the emergency room, crashes, people killed, and whatever, they wanted me to come. <laughs> because when they would throw me into a crisis, I could, I could deal with it. For whatever reason, you just, that was, I could deal with it. Because I knew I was out of my league. I didn't have all of the, you know, I, I, you know, I went to college and all those types of things. But you don't have the, the qualifications, as it were, to handle every type of crisis in every family situation to be able to help people deal with the most terrible things that happened in their life. And they would throw me in there. I mean, they'd throw me in. They'd ask me to go help. When someone is dying and they, they, the, the surgeon says they're not going to make it and they can't live through the surgery, but they're, they're kind of awake and the family member doesn't know what to do, can you come talk to the family member? And I never was like, oh yeah, I can, I can do this. Why? Because that's where I felt God's grace just... Being there, I, I was, is it where you were isolated from everything else? You're in a person and a situation that in a few, in a few minutes, moments, hours, it's all going to be over and only you and what you said is going to be there. Now, God's grace is sufficient. If I'm boasting, I'm boasting only in the fact of what God has been able to do. Now, whenever there's a lot of people going on and everybody's discussing this and discussing that, I kind of fade to the background, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't need to be here. You've got lots of good advice and a lot of good opinions. And, you know, maybe I have a good idea or whatever. But, but God's grace is sufficient. That means that God is able to give to you what you need in that situation. Now, I want to read uh, Colossians. This is, this is the sufficiency of grace at work in, in the... In the Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, beginning at verse 9 of chapter 1. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will. Think of this as God, the grace of God, is wanting to give you 
a wise mind and a spirit, your spirit, attuned to God's will. Now, God's grace wants to give this to us. It's unmerited. You can't earn it. And it's not what you're doing for God. It's what God is doing for you. So this is God doing something for us in this moment of time. God is going to give you a wise mind. Not a wise guy. (laughs) A wise mind. So wisdom is the application of truth to a certain situation. So God, by his grace, is giving this to us. So when we face the difficulties, we face the walls of life where we don't know what to do next, there is this wisdom that comes from above, this wisdom that comes to our minds, and God is going to give you wise minds and a spirit attuned to his will, and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. The ways in which God works. It isn't what we bring to the table. It's what God is bringing to us to give to others. To flow through us and to change our hearts and to change our minds and to change our approach. And he says, these are the ways that God works. And we pray, Paul is saying this, we pray that you'll live well for the master. Making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. So we have to do the work. I mean, school's going to start, right, girls, soon? School's going to start? Some of you ducked. (laughs) School's going to start pretty soon, and guess what? You got to get up. (laughs) You got to go to school. (laughs) Imagine that. Imagine that, going to school. What are you going to do there? I need a wise mind. (laughs) Oh, but you see, you can, and and guys, didn't mean to leave you out back there. You know, he's going to school, too. I've been going, going back to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two days a week. Oh, she's got an easy street now. But anyhow, <laughs> we go to work, we get up, we go. What do we need? We need a wise mind. God, we're praying and asking God to help us go to work and to help us understand the position we're in, to help us live with our neighbors <laughs> or our coworkers or whatever. All right? All right. I have a, I have a very important part here. You ready? <laughs> we pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. You see, we're learning. You know, we're, the, the moment we stop learning is we're dead. <laughs> so we never stop learning how God is working. And, and the understanding, you know, I'm, you know, I go back to, I'm a farmer. <laughs> Grew up on a farm. You have chores. You do the chores. You get up, you do the chores. You know, it, you know if you don't feel good, what's the cure? Take two aspirin and go to the barn. <laughs> That was my mother's cure. <laughs> go do your chores, and if you're still sick after your chores are done, then you can go to bed. But don't plan on going to bed till your chores are done. You know, so I, I was always this doing, do, you know, you're, you're, you're this doing thing, this doing and going, and, and I brought that into the ministry. It's this doing and going and working. And <laughs> but there's another aspect to this, 
And it is that we do this. God is the one by his grace who is giving us the strength and the wisdom and the ability to do this. Let's go on. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. (laughs) Anybody been in a long haul? (laughs) Sometimes life is like plodding along. Is it ever going to end? Is it ever going to be over? Is this difficulty ever going to change? You know, sometimes God is waiting for us to change before the difficulty changes. And sometimes the difficulty never changes. He changes us to how we face the difficulty. Because the grace of God is this grace unmerited, unearned. It's a free gift from God that's coming into my life. And he is going to work through me. He's going to give me a wise mind. He's going to give me a spirit that understands that he's at work in my life and that he's going to give me strength physically to accomplish the task. And I'm going to rest in his presence as I go on doing his will. Now... We pray that you have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth. (laughs) Put your nose to the grindstone, your shoulder to the wheel, grit your teeth, and move on. Paul is saying that's not the kind of strength that I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the glory strength that God gives. It is the strength that endures the undurable and spills over into joy. The ability to endure what is impossible to endure. Now, this is a man who's been beaten with rods. This is a man who's been whipped. (laughs) This is a man who's spent day and night floating in the deep. Don't know if he's going to live or die. This is a man who went against the, the, the society that he lived in, against the rules that he understood, that he went against all of these things, and he's saying that you may be able to... Endure the unendurable. He knew what he was talking about. And he knew that he was doing the will of God. In these unendurable situations, he was doing the will of God. Sometimes bad things happen when you do the will of God. But it doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. It means that you, we, need to, we are going to be recipients of his grace and his mercy. And he says, it is the strength that endures the unendurable, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. That we are thanking the Father. So we know when this grace is working in us because we we enter it with thanksgiving. (laughs) We enter it with praise. We enter it with this understanding that God is at work in our lives. Now, one other, one other scripture, and I'll be finished. <laughs> yes, I will be. Matthew 9 is the um, Jesus forgives and heals the paralyzed man. He has four of his friends carry him, bring him to Jesus. They dig a hole in the roof and lower him down. And so what we have, we have grace at work in these four individuals. Sometimes we are carrying other people. Sometimes we have to carry other people. Now, it doesn't mean that we, 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 that's our job, carry people, because you can't do that all the time. Sometimes people have to learn to get up and walk. But anyhow, when Jesus, when this person, he saw the faith of the individuals tearing the roof off, 
And the guy lowered me. He says, your sins are forgiven. And uh, he saw their faith. He says, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blasphemy. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Now, and, and this is where I think we have to stop ourselves. Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Now, what was the evil thought that these guys had? They didn't believe Jesus to be who he said he was. <laughs> he, they didn't believe Jesus to be able to do what he said he could do. And our, our evil thought doesn't come, it come, doesn't come from us or from the Holy Spirit. It comes from our old nature and it comes from the evil one. It comes from Satan. It comes from the pits of hell, wherever. The evil thought is Jesus can do that for other people, but he can't do it for you. Why do you entertain evil thoughts? God, I don't think I'm good enough. God, I don't think I have the ability. God, I don't think this is going to work. God, I, I've failed. I've sinned. Why do you think evil thoughts? Why do you entertain them? It doesn't say why do you think them. Why do you entertain them? God wants us to be receptive. So here's the, the, the crux of all of this. The Holy Spirit, God's grace, his unmerited favor, his blessing has come to us. He wants to flow through our lives. He wants to give us a wise mind. He wants to give us a spirit uh, of, of being able to discern and understand his love and his grace and his mercy for our life and the lives of others. And he wants, to, he wants us to eat at the table of his forgiveness. And, and whenever we see people and we see evil things going on, we don't entertain them, we pray for them. We don't become critics, we become prayer warriors. We become prayers for those who don't understand and for those whose lives are, are messed up. We're, we're not allowing that evil to enter into our hearts, we're praying for them. And that the grace and mercy of God would flow through our lives, that we could touch them in a way that would heal their lives. And the touch of God is maybe just your word of saying, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. The touch of God is maybe that God, is, God has a plan for your life and God has a purpose for you. And I don't understand it. I don't know why these things happen, but God's mercy is there. You see, don't entertain evil thoughts that you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not this enough, not that enough. Don't entertain those evil thoughts. <laughs> An evil thought is not necessarily hatred and bitterness and anger and frustration and get even. Sometimes the evil thoughts are, I'm never going to get out of this. God doesn't know what's going on. Or, you know, God just doesn't love me. You see, those are not God's thoughts. Don't entertain them. We need to know who God is and what God wants to do through us, for us, to others.
God's grace is unmerited. You can't earn it. He's just giving it to us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand. <laughs> the sufficiency of God's grace is that, that these things are written on our hearts. They're written in our hearts. And we're able to know what is God's word and what isn't. What is God's will and what isn't. You know, I, 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 I watch sometimes the news or the, the critics of each other and I get angry and I think, why am I watching this? I need to pray for them. <laughs> I need to pray for our leaders that we could live at peace. I need to pray for those who, you know, that break the laws. I need to pray that those who enforce the laws, that they will have strength and wisdom and understanding. And I need to pray for people. You see, I don't, I don't allow, I try not to allow the, the difficulties and the, and the bitterness and the, the, the misunderstandings to occupy this place because there's no, I can't war. There's a war going on. God has already run the war. He's already won the battle. Evil is defeated. Christ is our Savior. He has forgiven us of our sins and His grace and His mercy come into our lives to give us a wise thinking, a spirit that doesn't give up but has a sense of destiny and of purpose. And God will turn this around to the good. Amen? Amen. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God will fulfill his will in our lives. He will open doors that no man can open, and he will close doors that no man can close. God has a purpose, and God is going to do his work in me, through me, and to the lives of people around me, that no matter where I am, people will be blessed because you're there. Amen? God, let your grace and your mercy continue to flow upon us. May we have the mind of Christ in us, that we recognize the purpose of life is you. You have a purpose for us. And you give us your strength, your wisdom, and your understanding. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we all said, Amen. <laughs> Take your